This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com. Kia ora, my name's Rex Lovegrove, and welcome to Colours of the Heart, looking at life's challenges from a place of presence and compassion. Imagine there's no heaven. forward to Colours of the Heart. Before we start the show, a big mihi out to Access Radio Taranaki and of course my sponsors Kiwi Bike. Love you, love you, love you. Hey, I've got Dee Turner back in the house and I've interviewed Dee, I think this is the fifth time and I just love her energy and her enthusiasm. And I've said many times um, on the programme what a true choice is doing what you love and Dee does what she loves. She does it with such passion and energy and um, Hence the interview, hence the fifth time I've interviewed you, Dee. And so thank you for allowing me back into your world, your fuddy. And um, we're, I know we're moving into um, um, the depths of spring and the festival's coming up in a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. So would you like to talk into that, love, and we'll just unravel that that is natural? Yeah, well, it's it's been a very busy last three weeks um, as I've got the garden ready for the the festival. I guess it's not um, it's not as hard to get my garden ready as some of the beautiful, you know, flower gardens and lovely lawns of the of the festival because it's it's a working garden, and so um, there's always stuff to do out there and um, there's always planting and, and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, but I've still been busy getting in all my new vegetables and protecting my vegetables <laughs> from um, the voracious slugs and snails out there as well. Um, but yeah, it's um, uh, all of the food forest has been remulched. Just wonderful to see all the new regrowth down there. Um, all the plums have um, set fruit. Um, all the apples are in full flower and my bees are very, very busy. Um, at this moment in time, I just checked them today, and um, they were already um, starting to put away honey, which is fantastic. Well, you made mention about pest control. In fact, we talked a little bit about that prior to pressing the play button. And I've had an issue with slugs <laughs> and snails. <Hadn't> everybody. <laughs> <laughs> please tell tell us tell the audience your method, please do. Um, well, you know, slugs and snails. Um, you don't really want to be putting nasty, you know, slug bait and stuff down. It's full of chemicals, and um, there are there are well, there are better ways to to deal with them. It, they may not be easier ways than just throwing down a few pellets. Um, you've got to be a bit more proactive about it. What I tend to do is um, I get my beds ready for um, putting in my young seedlings and then for probably two or three nights beforehand um, I'll throw out um, usually old brassica leaves, usually cabbage and, um, and then I'll, I'll get out there with my head torch 
um, and a bucket of heavily salted water. It's no good collecting slugs and snails and just putting them in water. It's got to be salted because they can swim. Um, so <laughs> you take your salted water, you go out and you pick off all the slugs and snails from the cabbage leaves. And um, you can expect um, to get about 150 a night. And that may seem extreme, but that's what you're going to get around those main veggie beds. They've been um, hibernating most of the, the winter. It's springtime. Tons and tons of eggs have hatched out. You've got a ton of slugs and snails. So I do this religiously for three, um, three nights and I could get over 500 slugs and snails in my bucket. Um, I have chooks. And they love salted slugs and snails, <laughs> so I have no problem disposing of them. But if you if you don't have somewhere, um, if you don't have chooks, then just um, throwing them um, into a corner of your garden that isn't going to affect anything, because that heavily salted water um, is really going to affect any of your um, sort of veggie plants. So you know, fine around shrubs and stuff. Um, yeah, it's really important that then when once you put those young uh, seedlings in, I usually just put plastic drink bottles over the top. Make sure you've taken off the screw top and then just ram it down um, over them. When they get too big to be contained in the in the drink bottle, I just take a knife, cut around a ring um, and so that the plant itself pops out over the top. Having that ring of plastic around them will protect them from slugs and snails at the roots wow. where they can sometimes just be completely nibbled off. Um, and it works like a dream. I still go out there, possibly not every every night, but every other night, um, and I'll still pick off the odd slug and snail, but it works wonders. And you, well, you've had a look at um, the garden out here. There's barely a hole in any leaf. Hmm. Um, only because I do this. Um, but yeah, I'd rather do that than throw around a load of chemicals and stuff. Awesome. And we made mention about aphids and they're quite easy to get rid of, correct? Incredibly easy. Yeah. Um, only because, um, you know, the easiest way to get rid of them is just spray them with water straight from your hose. Um, people are a bit wary of this because they think the aphids will just be sprayed off onto the ground, then they'll just hop back onto the plant well they won't as soon as they hit the ground they're dead um so just spray away with a with a good hose and you can do this i mean you'll find it on your tomatoes in a couple of weeks time and it'll be on your capsicums a little less on your your eggplants but um yeah just going in there and blasting a bit with a hose i usually hold the plant while I'm blasting, so I don't actually blast it down onto the ground. But it is so effective. You you can do it sort of every day for about three days and aphid problem gone. Um, and then you probably only have to check once a week, something like that. Um, for, the, for the longer term problem of aphids around um, something that's more perennial, you know, like your citrus, um, you're much better off putting some companions in. Um, to deal to them. Uh, something like yarrow is wonderful to throw under the, the citrus trees because it brings in the hoverflies, it brings in the ladybugs and they can eat their body weight in aphids every day. So um, yeah, just get the right plants in there. Um, 
what the what the ladybugs and the hoverflies are attracted to are actually the flowers of the yarrow and the and the shape of them it's just a great landing pad so um yeah just just great companions for citrus and i'm aware i'm aware that you've um done some traveling recently um, mm. to wales and there was a there was an issue and in, in you being the soulful soul you are you you gave some <laughs> advice regarding some trees correct some yes. fruit trees so would yeah. you like to talk into that please yeah i think um um we were um actually looking at some gardens um with some really old apple trees and they looked terrible it looked as if someone had gone through it with a chemical spray and um you know just tried to kill them and um so i had a word with the um uh, the garden one of the gardeners there and asked what had gone on and they said that they just had a terrible virus through the whole of the orchard and it had affected all of the pit fruits so the pears as well as the apples and I asked what they'd done for it and they had some chemical sprays that they were trying to to work through and I just suggested that you know seaweed is one of the what I think is one of the best ways to deal with any sort of nasty viruses and pathogens really and the seaweed spray itself displaces the pathogens on the leaves but at the same time it feeds the plant when plants can't take up nutrients from the soil the easiest way to feed them is through their leaves and it's the difference between um sort of taking a pill and giving an injection um you know the pill may take you know five or six hours to work where the eject injection works immediately um, and that's the same with um, the seaweed spray so um, yeah I just suggested that they spray all the all the pit fruit with seaweed spray just to start to get some leaves back and this is midsummer there should have been loads of leaves on these right, trees right. so yeah great for new growth as well what about curly leaf how do you deal with that exactly the same thing um, uh, again seaweed you know um curly leaf is um is something that's spread it's actually already on the branches of the um of the stone fruit and as the leaves start to grow out they pick up the virus from the branches so when you spray it's all about a timing issue so very very early spring be just on leaf break you want to be spraying um, all of your stone fruit. I've got a lot of um, little dwarfing stone fruit here. They don't get curly leaf um, as as badly, but they still do get curly leaf. Um, and um, I just sprayed them early springtime. Brilliant, And it brilliant. worked like a dream. Whānau, you with Colours of the Heart, you've heard it here first. And if you haven't, if you haven't been told today, you are sincerely cared for. Kia ora. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright 
blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry I watch them grow They'll learn much more Than I never knew And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful Once again, welcome. Welcome forward to Colours of the Heart. I have Dee Turner in the house. And Dee, we made reference at the start that the festival is upon us. It is. And you're extremely passionate about this time regarding the festival, correct? Yes, I am. And some people are a little bit um, confused about that. Um, you know, because I, I teach people how to grow food, my entire property is all about food production, whether that's annuals or perennials, you know, fruit trees, um, chooks, bees, the whole lot. Um, and But what's exciting for me um, about being in the, the Taranaki Garden Festival is that I get to see a lot of people that I wouldn't normally get to see. Um, a lot of people come to, to this property at other times of the year because they know it's a food garden or they they booked in to come on a permaculture weekend or a um a course on pruning or whatever the the people that come through um during the garden festival are i wouldn't actually just say your your lawn and flowers um sort of people but they're they're people that like to see beautiful gardens um beautifully set out and um so when they come in, into my garden it's a bit of a culture shock in that it still looks good um but it's it's all vegetables and um what happens is i give a talk every morning um during the festival um and uh it's at 11 o'clock and it's supposed to run for an hour yes well it, it never runs for just an hour um, usually I'm sort of crawling back up to the main um, desk about two hours later with people trailing me saying, and tell me what that is and what do I spray for this? Um, so I end up, you know, giving a talk on what I'm doing in the actual garden itself and then all the questions all these burning questions and you know sometimes I get you know paraphrases like um 
oh, this is probably a really silly question. And I, I say to them, there's no silly questions in this garden. Whatever you want to ask, then um, I've probably got the answer um, to it. And uh, I think it's exciting um, for the people that come into the garden to see that, um, although it is quite a big garden, this is 4,000 square metres, it's a, an entire acre, um, the food production is actually split up into smaller spaces. So you can look at what a quarter acre section looks like and see how much food production you can get into that um, space. So people are you know, quite surprised at how much you can get into um, those small spaces. Um, and it's also to do with the all the different materials I use. I'm a I'm a big reuser. Um, I like to recycle a lot of uh, materials. So there are beds made out of pallet beds, pallets. Um, there's um, tires. Um, they're very old tires. I wouldn't use anything that was um, new. Um, and I do a lot of mosaics and a lot of stuff with you know rock and cement. Um, so it's quite it's quite um, cheap to build. Um, and I love colour, so I, I've spread a lot of colour around on the walls um, as well. And um, yeah, I like to um, to go up, and so I've got things that are. Um, I may have a fruit tree, and then I might have something growing up it, and then underneath it, I might have a load of plants that look after it. Yeah. Um, and what I really enjoy about walking around the garden with the festival goers is. Um, Usually when you walk around a festival garden, you wouldn't be, you know, taking leaves, um, you know, from various plants. And I encourage people, I'll actually pick leaves and pass them around to get people to smell them or taste them. And, um, and then I'll tell them what they can do with it. Mm. And um, most of these are ground covers and um, they smell beautiful. Um, and yet it's quite hard to get people to actually tread on these plants. So um, what I found myself doing year after year is just before the festival, and this is probably most of my preparation for the festival, is clearing some of my ground covers and putting down some mulch. So I make pathways through the food forest because people just don't like stomping all over um, plants um, themselves. Um, but I just, um, yeah, I just get everyone to smell and taste. And, um, yeah, people don't mind pointing out plants and saying, and, and what's that? Um, because they, they get quite encouraged. You know, after, a, you know, 45 minutes of wandering around the garden, people are feeling OK to ask all of those burning questions. And um, everything from the um, I have strings that actually tie down some of the um, pit fruit, particularly the apples. And um, everyone wants to know what they are as well. So I just um, pin down the actual branches of the apples and pears as they're growing so that they become horizontal because yes, you don't get any fruit production unless those trees are on the horizontal. Mm. Um, and um different for stone fruit we want the vase shape um, and people you know suddenly that they get those um, light bulb moments they go that's why my apple tree hasn't produced at all because it's shaped like a vase um, so I think a lot of people find their own solutions even you know those ones that don't even want mm. to um, to actually talk or ask the questions <laughs> um, and uh, I think it's interesting to um, yeah to have 
food plants in water as well. I've got a little pond, um, but I've also got a little stream as well. And, um, you know, I've got things like watercress and um, a water spinach, um, water chestnuts, got a cola, Vietnamese mint, all of those. And I've got some taro right down by the water. All of those work great. And it, it really doesn't need to be a particularly large water source. Um, to start growing food in water as well. If I remember rightly, you were growing rice at one stage. I was. That was three years ago. And I, um, I only had a very, very tiny amount of it. But when I harvested it, I thought, I've got enough to put it in the entire pond in rice the following year. And I lost the seed. Um, it was actually brought down by somebody who uh, was a festival go uh, goer from Northland. Um, for me to grow. So I'm crossing my fingers that somebody turns up with some more. Um, otherwise, I'm going to have to go and look because I loved it. It was a really great challenge. And um, harvesting it was um, a little bit difficult, but I'm now, um, I've read up a lot more about it. So I reckon I could do it again um, really easily. Um, but the I think the thing that people like about my garden during the festival is the fact that I've got a lot of the plants that I've got in the garden, I sell as well. So they can actually take a bit of the garden um, home with them. So um, every single ground cover they're ever, ever likely to want to put in um, is there. And I'm not much of a one for pretty flowers. Um, it's got to have a good use. So everything that I sell, I call them um, permaculture food forest plants. Um, because they'd all fit into a food forest, but really any perennial production place. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd love to have um, unusual things that you'd not find in a garden centre. Um, you know, like yakon. Um, and I get people to, to taste these things. Um, yeah, somebody biting into a yakon for the first time. Great to see. It's all about education. I love it. And I've experienced your education and it's very organic. That's it very is. organic. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I know you were doing workshops. Is that still still available for people if they're interested? Absolutely. And then um, I have um, um, just generally um, two main permaculture weekends that I run. One is an introduction to permaculture. Um, and th that actual um, word permaculture when I'm doing my introduction during the garden festival, the first thing I ask people is, has anyone heard of the word permaculture? And um, every year more and more hands go up. So I know that, you know, the word permaculture is getting out there. And, you know, permaculture is just a design system. It's how to design your garden so that you are spending more time sitting on your deck looking at your garden rather than out there mowing or weeding. Um, so the introduction to permaculture course really gives you the tools to start with your first permaculture garden, where to place things to make it easy mm. um, to manage. Um, and then there's a, the other weekend, which is the one I think you did, which was the food forest weekend, is, you know, looking at you know, what might have been um, just your standard orchard and then really expanding on that whole notion of the space that you would you would have for an orchard and, and then think rethinking the whole grass thing underneath mm. and sprays for the 
you know, the viruses and the and the pests and stuff. And instead, planting up underneath all of those trees um, with everything that's going to look after uh, the, the trees and stuff that you can eat um, and absolutely not a lawnmower in in sight. Um, you know, I'm spending no time mowing, whereas, um, yeah, everybody is spending a good couple of hours every weekend uh, doing that. I do run the smaller courses as well, and they're things like um, uh, at different times of the year, like pruning during the winter months and propagation. Um, it's it's great to be able to just to give the tools so that you can walk into any garden and go, right, I know exactly how to propagate that plant over there. And it can be food plants. It can also be shrubs um, and trees as well. Um, and I also run um, an introduction to biodynamics as well, which is another um, area that I don't think an awful lot of people know about. Um, I first, I've been practicing biodynamics for 20 years and I did my, my first course in biodynamics over in Hawke's Bay um, and um, at Taruna College. And there are so many people in Taranaki that, um, that have got into biodynamics. So biodynamics is all about improving your soil um, and it's using preparations to do this, but it's also using the, um, the, the moon calendar mm. um, to find those best times for, um, for planting and transplanting and even storing your veg, you know, at the end of the season. There's a great time to be picking your pumpkins <laughs> and your kumara. Um, and, yeah, you, yeah. Having those short courses is a great way to get people interested in a subject, and then they can they can go on and, and look into it a bit more. So you have a website? I do. It's um, corito.co.nz. Beautiful. K-O-R-I-T-O. I want to, we're winding down, Dee, but I, what I want to make note of is that you've got a, a few workers, you know, your chickens. Yes. <laughs> They've been very, very busy <laughs> uh, because I haven't. <laughs> and so how do you do that? Like, what, how, how, how do you manage your chickens or do they manage you in relation to your garden? How does it work? Well, um, the the chicks do all of the weeding. I don't, I don't just don't do it it's just too much like hard work so um i have a chook dome because i do have some lovely um, round gardens here some mandalas and um i might have a, a bed of veggies that are that are finished i put my chook dome over the top of the bed the chooks will finish off whatever that harvest is they'll dig up any weeds that are there they'll um they'll poop all over the place they'll ruck everything up they'll turn it over like little tillers um, and then once they've they've devastated it um, you then pick them up and you move them on to the next bed and my chook dome is so light that one person can move it um, as soon as they've devastated that area um, I can just use um, cardboards and animal manure and um, weeds layered up um, in, a, in, in what's called a lasagna layered method of soil building, finish it off with um, some hay, plant straight into it. So I've done no weeding at all. <laughs> um, if there's particularly large plants like um, old silver beet, you know, which could have been in for a year with enormous great roots, 
the chips are actually left in there a bit longer but you know they will eventually get around right the way around the roots and they will dig out those plants they are amazing amazing absolutely incredible and um i just wouldn't have a garden without them and you get eggs and I get eggs, and my neighbour's just been round for, for some as well. So I get eggs, and I get enough for other people in the neighbourhood as well. Whilst I'm feeling it, Dee, and, and throughout this whole interview, you've been smiling. You've been, because <laughs> you're obviously sourcing that that you love. Um, could you see yourself doing anything else? And not really, no. <laughs> not at all. I mean, I wouldn't want to do anything else, yeah. you know. My passion is my garden, but my larger passion is teaching other people, you know, how to have gardens for themselves. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's anything better health-wise than having a garden um, and getting out there yeah. um, at least once once or twice a week to enjoy it. Well, I, I, I remember a friend of mine, uh, we were two in the fat, and they talked about education and what education actually means in Latin is bringing out bringing out, not putting on top, yeah. not, not stifling someone's growth, but noticing the skills that people innately have mm. and then cultivating it to the surface. And that's what you do so brilliantly. No, oh, thank you. You are a true educator. You bring <laughs> it to the surface. And Fano, um, there, there are workshops on offer. I, I, I encourage you to put your hand up and, and enjoy the wisdom of this fine lady. So thank you, Dee, for turning up. Thank you for creating space and your your aroha is well received. So kia ora. Thank you. <laughs> and Fano, Fano, you have been told. You are sincerely, you are sincerely cared for. Kia ora. Thank you for your time and your ears. If you are inspired and stimulated by what has been said, you can contact me at Mountaintop Life Coaching and look forward to hearing your feedback. If you haven't been told today, let me be the first. You are cared for. Kia ora. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.